When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ho, 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 hello, and welcome back to Bar Humbug, the Christmas movies podcast that would like to throw a giant Christmas party, but isn't 100% sure that everybody would come. I'm Helen O'Hara, your host, and today we're going to be talking about Sky Movies' This Is Christmas, a new British Christmas movie from director Chris Foggin, uh, who made Fisherman's Friends, if you remember that. And it stars Alfred Enoch as Adam, who's a London ad man, and I feel like his name must be deliberate, uh, who's secretly a real idealist. He believes in people. So one day on the train, he decides to stand up and invite all his fellow regular commuters to a Christmas party. And this spurs all of them to start talking, to start interacting, and to find that their lives crash together in interesting and often very positive ways. Also among the cast, and it is really stacked, they, they've got Kea Scodelario, Timothy Spall, Sarah Niles, who of course we all loved in Ted Lasso, Joanna Scanlon, Jeremy Irvine, Alexandra Roach, Steve Oram, Ben Miller, you name it, they're probably in this. So here to talk about it with me today is journalist Ollie Richards, who has one of the most tasteful Christmas trees there is, and also has a fine line in Santa hats for his dog, Max. Hello, Ollie. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you very much for that uh, excellent introduction. Um, as you can see, I don't actually have a Christmas tree up yet, but uh, but when I do, yeah, I will endeavour to make it you know, as tasteful as, as advertised. <laughs> I, I am sure. I, you, it's at a different angle to normal, so I couldn't, I couldn't tell, but um, I'm shocked and hor- horrified. But uh, I'm so sorry. You sort it so out. Sorry. Like, come on. I will. I will. Right. Your own decoration is lovely. I mean, I know podcasts are not a visual medium, but I can tell people there's a lovely Merry Christmas uh, sort of... What do you call that behind you? A banner? I don't banner. know. Yeah, yes, sort of the, do, yeah. yeah. And so and some a couple of tiny lights Lovely. as well. But that's Lovely. I'm making a half-hearted effort up here in the study. So it's all good. But um we're going to talk about this, but before we get stuck in, um, I also spoke to Alfred Enoch about it. So he is, of course, the star of How to Get Away with Murder, or one of the stars. Obviously, Viola Davis is the star, but he's in it. And uh, he's also, people may know him as well from the Harry Potter movies. They may know him from his very impressive, actually, stage work. I saw him in a supporting role in Coriolanus a few years ago. And he, it turns out he's also a delightful human being. This is one of my favourite interviews I've done all year. But he does have a very unusual answer to what kind of Christmas movie do you like? So please enjoy. Here is Alfred Enoch talking about this Christmas. Alfred Enoch, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Merry Christmas, I guess. <laughs> yes, I mean, it feels legitimate now, doesn't it? It's the 1st of December, so... Exactly. Yes, to raise the curtain, we are we are recording this on the 1st of December. The advent calendars are open, therefore is officially open season I'm wishing people happy Christmas, right? You know, it's okay now. So tell me about this is Christmas. You know, how did you get involved? Uh, are you a Christmas movies fan and you were kind of, you know, hoping that one would come along or, or did this sort of come out of the blue? It sort of more came out of the blue. It's funny, people say, I, I, my partner uh, sort of had a 
burnt a bit with me because she said a couple of years ago we watched what I thought would be a great Christmas movie because for me watching movies at Christmas is a big part of it. Absolutely. Like, I watch movies and I want to watch movies in the day and so also I want to watch epic movies that normally you know when you come home from whatever you're doing in the evening you go oh, it's a bit late to watch a two-hour film or whatever you know whatever it is. Um, so a couple of Christmases ago we watched The Pianist which is a beautiful film and I thought gorgeous a film gorgeous film and this is a perfect that's not really a Christmas film <laughs> and, you know uh, to me it's about watching a, a big epic that is moving <laughs> affects you and so then the following Christmas we watched Shindy's List which I'd never watched before and again to me that was a perfect Christmas movie not least because it's such a it's such oh, an extraordinary yeah. film and an extraordinary story and it's so moving and and the sort of idea of humanity in, in such a sort of bleak circumstance was really, I don't know, somehow feels Christmassy to me. I, I, I get that when I say that to people, you know, I, I Christmas, <laughs> Christmas film, how about Schindler's List? Most people sort of look at me like I've got three heads. But anyway, so <laughs> probably in the conventional sense, I'm not such a Christmas movie person maybe is, is what I, I guess has been reflected back to me when I've told people that but this is Christmas came about because I got in I got a, a message might, might have been an email from Chris Foggin the director who had worked with a good friend of mine from university and was reaching out and basically said you know I want you to do this film would you give this a read and I thought okay it's a Christmas movie it's a rom-com is this going to be you know my my expectations weren't necessarily high because I thought, you know, it's not Schindler's List. I'm not interested. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, it only took about, it took me a little minute to get around to it because I was doing, I don't know what. And my agent said to me, this is really, really good. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'll, I'll get around to it next week. And I, I sat down, I read it and I thought, and I was reading it on the train fittingly. And generally I was laughing out loud. I was crying. I generally teared up. I mean, I, I did cry three times in the first 15 minutes of Zootopia. Um, <laughs> well, she know. says goodbye to her family and moves away to the big city. Right, I there mean, go. come Thank on. Thank you very much, Helen. This is exactly, that's, again, sometimes people look at me like I've got three heads, but you feel very understanding. So I'm grateful for all this. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, it, if something is moving and well executed, I'm, I'm there for it 110%. And that was me. I read, I, I read this script and I was like, this is just... Beautiful. It's such a beautiful story. So well told. Um, and I thought if we can get this right, this will this will be really good. So uh, you know, I had no hesitation from that point. And I talked to Chris, and he's brilliant. And just thought this will be an absolutely delightful thing to do. It might be as delightful as the kind of the world that the script presents. And it and it was really. It's yeah. very happy. And and it's sort of it's a nice um, it's nice to see a character like Adam who is genuinely optimistic and he's genuinely trying mm. he's hoping for the best he has some faith in people because i think like you know like if you watch the news for more than 10 seconds it's quite hard sometimes to to maintain your optimism in in humanity and your belief in humanity uh these days and and you know it feels like it's a it's kind of an important a weirdly important character to be out there and to be to be on screen yeah i i, I think you're completely right which is something that i i wouldn't have imagined myself saying x many years ago i i sort of, I suppose maybe because I'm drawn sometimes to things which are a bit heavier in, in the things that I watch. I didn't kind of expect, 
expect that I didn't expect there to be something important in that, or I hadn't realized that really. But I think Chris had something he kept <laughs> he kept saying when we were shooting. He said, um, it's a bit mean-spirited there. And it sort of became a little joke about it. But his thing was he didn't want to create a mean-spirited world where people are nasty to each other. He wanted to sort of present something which is an alternative to that. And I think Adam does that, and not just Adam, the world of This Is Christmas is, is a world that invites us to consider what community is and what happens if we do reach out to people and what happens if we don't, you know, stay like, making our little personal castles and fencing ourselves in against the outside world, which just feels like it's bearing in on us all the time. And, and, and you know, those reactions are very understandable, especially with everything that's going on in the world at the minute. But I think it's a nice little... I think it's nice that it champions openness in that way um, and connection in that way. So, yeah, I'd agree. That was one of the kind of joyful things to sort of connect with in the script, not just for Adam, but the, but, but the whole world that, um, that Alistair sort of creates in the, in the script and the, uh, that Chris kind of brought to life in the shooting. Yeah, it's a sort of an anti-Scrooge kind of a it character. Is. Yeah. It is, which is, which is kind of odd, right, dramatically, because you sort of think, Okay, but how how does this? Where's the drama? But it that but it does work in that way, you know. It, it it can be, I think it can be very tempting to lean into the in the writing of the script, the creating, and make it all about the obstacles, and the, and then you just sort of get a little glimmer of light at the end, and you sort of go, oh gosh, thank gosh. <laughs> but I think it's 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 interesting that the story was sort of totally constructed slightly differently in that way, and I think really really positive. Hopefully, people would. People are into it. God knows I was. No, I didn't <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and so what's it like going in and, and playing a character like that every day? Because, like, not to name drop, but in my day job, I interviewed uh, Chris Evans when he was playing Captain America. And he said that it was actually quite uplifting almost to go in to work every day and play a guy who's trying to do his best and who's trying to do the right thing, whatever that may be. You know, does that kind of thing seep into you as a person when you're playing these characters? Or are you very much a sort of divide you know you, you turn it off when you go home kind of an actor no I think it's hard. I, I at least struggle to to turn it off right because it, it, it's a dialogue right I think all art anything creative really is a is a dialogue between the work and the people engaging with it but the same dialogue exists when you're making something between you and your what you're making right it mirrors that so you know you're constantly bringing bits of yourself and 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 kind of vice versa you're taking things from that and it, the experience changes you so I'm, I'm i've never been a sort of church and state um, sort of big separation in terms of my my work and my life because i guess it's always in there working away at you as you're as you're kind of doing the job and yeah that was a really it's a really joyful thing i mean it's funny one one part of it I found very, I just thought, I can, I, I get this. I'd be tempted to do this. You know, I can be a bit of a, I'm a bit of an idealist, I suppose, a, a bit of a romantic. And so the thought of standing up on a train carriage in front of a lot of strangers and inviting them to a party didn't, didn't seem so outrageous to me. I was like, well, yeah, I get it. If they're faces you see every day, as in this case, you know, these are all the same commuters who get on at the same station, same time every morning, you know, you could you could feel a sort of connection even if you've never spoken to them, I guess. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And I, 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 
it, it sort of, it chimed with me, you know? So I wasn't sort of really thinking, I think if someone did that on a train that I was on, I'd be like, I love that. You know, I, I genuinely, I, my poor partner will go anywhere and, you know, she'll be, we went to this um, photography book fair on the weekend and she said, oh, I really want to go. And I was like, okay, interesting. And I sort of went in and started talking to the first person I met and just did, I didn't go anywhere else. She had seen all the photos and I was there chatting away and we sort of exchanged data and he said, oh, I'll give you my book. And I was like, oh, that's so lovely. And I sent him an email the other day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about talking to strangers. So um, don't know, maybe that's been enhanced a little bit since, since this is Christmas. But yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that, that's something I'm proud of. I suppose. I, I, you know, I, I want to maintain that. I want to be, open to people i want to engage with people i want to find out what other people think about things and that's you know i suppose that's why i like telling stories that's 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 what we're doing and that's why we like watching films or, or plays or reading books because you know you get to see someone else's world that's the thing kind of compelling to me uh, what is it empathy machines one of my favorite quotes about uh, films are empathy machines they put you mm. in somebody else's shoes for two hours take you out of your own head put you in someone else's there we um, go there you go. So I'm always interested in the logistics of these things, like because a lot of Christmas films seem to shoot in summer. So when did you shoot? What? How did it work? Was there any trace of, of Christmas in the real world when you were trying to get in this headspace for the film? Yeah, the only trace of Christmas was the all the fake snow we put on Hemel Hempstead Old the High Street. Goodness, it was the middle of a heat wave. Oh, gosh. The heat wave this summer was the first day we shot. And I remember Kai and I, met with Chris and, and as the writer, when was it? it was sort of just the week before we started shooting. And I was talking to Kai and she was like, the heat wave starts next week. And I was like, yeah, no, apparently it's going to be quite hot. <laughs> she said to me, I don't think we're going to shoot. I don't think they're going to, how are they going to be able to shoot in like 40 degrees? Surely it's not going to be set. And I was thinking, I did a film in Brazil whenever ago. And I was, <laughs> I was thinking, but I think we'll probably shoot. I was like, I don't think. But I mean, we were then, obviously when I was, Filming in Brazil, I wasn't wearing a woolly jumper and I wasn't next to an open fire. I mean, it was that first day, it was something like 40 something degrees. And so in a sort of small room with lights and a fire, I mean, it was, it was, but you look, there are, there are worse, there are worse problems you can have, right? But, sure. uh, there was a moment where I just looked up and all the crew were in like vests and shorts. I thought, oh gosh, that looks, that looks really good round about now. Um, so that was that. That was. <laughs> I suppose it gave us. I think what, what Kaya termed the other day uh, a, a Christmas glow. A Christmas so, glow. <laughs> what a lovely way to cynic. put it. Yes, exactly. The cynics might just be like, you know, sweating because they're in the middle of forty degrees and they're dripping. Um, but yes, that was uh, that took a little bit of navigating and some sort of on the odd day a little bit, just like an ice pack or something, just like to get something in there to cool you down and just stay hydrated. But I was going to say less, less icicles, more ice water, presumably then. There we the go. Yeah. There we go. That was very much it. Wow. And, and, and how about like the, the train scenes, I'm guessing you had a, you know, a set and, and screens outside yeah. for, for that mm. just because of the sheer amount of shooting. Um, so how is that having like, quite frankly, a cast of like British acting legends all, yeah. all in the same carriage, you know, Joanna Scanlon, Ben Miller, Sarah Niles, Timothy Spall. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches, really. 
it really is. It's such a good cast. I managed to get together for the film. That was one of the things that was really exciting because, you know, I was kind of accompanying that bit of the process and Chris was telling me, you know, oh, we've got Tara Niles. And I'd worked with Sarah. I was like, oh, that's great. Oh, I was like, oh, we've got Ben Miller. I was like, oh, goodness, the major Archer. I'm a scandal. Timothy Spall's going to, I was like, oh, like, this is just, this is endless. Um, and I, I did have that thought as we were shooting, <laughs> I thought we're all going to be on a trade carriage. <laughs> and there was some talk, it's funny you said, we did shoot it in a studio. We did sort of shoot, we got a carriage in a, onto a soundstage uh, and did it with screens, as you say. But apparently there was a kind of an idea to genuinely get on a train and Lord help us if we had had to do that, because, you know, at that point it was still however hot it was. I mean, and this train is just absolutely rammed with people, lights, you know, the, the camera, there's not much space. There's not. So anytime we could get off, we were absolutely delighted. But the thought that we could actually be, you know, going, going up and down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like halfway oh. to Bristol and you think, oh God, what a when are we going to be able to get off this thing? It would have been absolutely nightmarish. So uh, never mind the post-production. I don't know what they would have done with the sort of trees outside in the blaring sunshine. So, yeah, that was, uh, we, we were sort of spared by being on a soundstage for for that. But it was it it was a joy. And those kind of train scenes, right, rightly, you know, that they have to give a sense of that strange little accidental community that forms. And so they, they they really are sort of communal scenes, and they were they were really lovely to shoot. Actually, they're, they're, in a way, they're they're the sort of other heart of the movie, right? I mean, the movie has all these kind of relationships that form between characters, but then there is also the collective, and that is represented. You know, that's represented on the train. That's where it all begins. So it was it was kind of a lovely way to finish the shoot. That was yeah. the last. No, it, it's it is really oh, that was the that was the f- sort of finale. Then getting on the train. Mm. Wow. That's cool. Um, so, so what's your take on, I mean, I feel like I've seen a couple of British Christmas movies this year, which have been a little bit different. They've been kind of, you know, very much taking the, the, the sort of the ideals of Christmas, if you like, but, but doing something quite, that felt quite fresh with them. This, this being one of those. And then on the other hand, you have the very big, very glossy and increasingly formulaic, I think sometimes, um, not all American films, but the American kind of Christmas movie. You know, do, do you think there's a kind of a, a difference in attitude in this country to to the, maybe the US conception of Christmas or Christmas movie? Or have I just gotten lucky with a couple of films this year? That's interesting. Well, I, firstly, I would have to defer to you because you are the expert, right? So, <laughs> so far be it from it. And as I say, uh, I remembered another Christmas movie, which I watched was on Christmas Day, which was Supernova. Which oh, boy. Beautiful film. With um, Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci, but also not not super cheery. Again, not super cheery. Most people would say not super Christmassy. So I would disagree. So you know, uh, I say that as a caveat to what I'm about to say because I am you're the expert and I have essentially no clue. But um, you know, I think I think this goes back to the way, and and this is you know this doesn't mean American film doesn't do this at all, but. Um, also, the way British film sort of treats rom-coms mm. and treats humour, treats comedy in a much less of a glossy way, I think, and a much more of a sort of feels all a bit more cobbled together in a kind of it's it's sort of not about the glitz. I mean, if you, you look back at those brilliantly constructed and brilliantly made Richard Curtis rom-coms, it, yeah. it's sort of about that. There's a sort of a bit of a 
there's a kind of bumblingness almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a sort of <laughs> exactly a bumbling sort of charm, sort of slightly apologetic, fitfulness about that that's in the tone of the the films themselves, right? Um, and not and, and <laughs> not just in Hugh Grant who does that so brit I mean so, so well. So yeah, I think I think that's the thing that I love about those films. That's the thing I love about Christmas films. When things have a little, when they're not shiny and super spectacular and people, and it's not, this is a term I heard when I was working in the States occasionally, aspirational. Mm. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's not selling some kind of... Kind of perfect life. Yeah. There is a perfectness in it because there's a kind of, you know, because it, it, it's a sort of idealised world that, in, that envisages communities coming together in a way which is unusual precisely because of that. But it's surprising because of that. It doesn't just sort of say, this is the way things are. It says, Adam, my character in This is Christmas, stands up on the train and everyone goes, why? (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is kind of great, which I think is kind that that's the thing I kind of love about it. I had a, someone once told me that they're, a good friend of mine said his dad once uh, summed up the difference between the UK and the US in, in one slightly strange analogy. He said, uh, in the US, if there's a lovely car parked on the street, a really fancy, expensive car, people will walk past and be like, God, look at that. I want one of those. Wow, how about that? In the UK, they'll key it. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe is slightly overstating that's, it. That's but, perhaps a little harsh. <laughs> but I get it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's a bit of a like, oh, show off. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's, there's a little sort of, and you know, it, there's a border to be found between that and what Chris would call mean-spiritedness, which is definitely what we're trying to keep out, the, keep out of the film. But I think that's slightly, you know, not selling the shiny, not selling the perfect, but a bit of the being able to sort of mutter and, and, and sort of go, oh, yes. is, is part of the charm for me. Uh, absolutely right. So I've been, I, I usually ask everybody what their favourite Christmas film is, but I think mm. we've established it, Schindler's List, um, for you. <laughs> but I also uh, tend to ask everybody, do you have a particular Christmas tradition in your house that is maybe unusual or different that, that not everybody does? So some people open one present on Christmas Eve or, or some people, you know, have to have to play a particular board game on Christmas Day. Is there anything like that in your house? It's funny. Now I live with my partner. I've I've seen the things I've I suppose out of the context of being spending Christmas with my parents all the time, I sort of see the things that I'm like, oh I need that to happen. That's mm-hmm. part of the tradition for me. And and films are a big part of that. That's why when it gets to the sort of when it gets to Christmas, I want to sit and what you know <laughs> and watch basically long old movies that's so you know one i think it was two years ago i was like i'm gonna watch lawrence of arabia like to me a massive film in the daytime speaks to a kind of christmas holiday freedom which is which is which is i I realized is really fundamental to me like one year we hadn't seen anything and i said to my father i just really we need to watch a film and this is this is really important to me not at night it has to be in the daytime uh and she was a bit like okay if that's if that's what you need i suppose the other slightly strange thing we never really we never do turkey my, my parents have to never really do turkey um we tend to do duck we used mm-hmm. to do turkey, nice mm-hmm. but one year my mum was like i couldn't get a turkey or something gone i said no it's just the three of us or something or 
so I just got a duck and I said, you know what, I much prefer it. So after that, I think I, that, that was it. So we usually tend to do duck and gammon. Nice. Um, and usually we do something on Boxing Day because my, my siblings all have their own families and all the rest of it. So sort of Boxing Day tends to be the time where we go around to my parents' house and my mum does a big thing. I'll, I'll usually be with my parents on, on, on Christmas Day, but then on Boxing Day, my sister will come and my nieces and her partner and friends, and it, it becomes a big thing to the big point that my mate said to me the other day, just so you know, we couldn't last a couple of years, but we're free on Boxing Day. <laughs> I said, brilliant, come on. You know, so it's, so I suppose that's the little tradition. That's going to be a big get to go. Well, listen, have a fantastic Christmas and congratulations again on This Is Christmas. It's lovely. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hello, I'm Hannah Flint from The First Film Club, a film podcast series dedicated to established and emerging talent, both in front of and behind the camera and the feature debuts that launch their careers. From the new drama Mass, to the cult classic Heathers. Each episode is dedicated to a film, a guest, and the behind the scenes stories, memories, and advice from their time on set. Find us, The First Film Club, wherever you listen to your stripped media podcasts. Come join the club. All right, and thanks very much to Alfred for joining us. Um, Ollie, let's start with the very basic stuff. What did you think of this? Did you enjoy it? I did. I thought it was really lovely. Uh, I have, I mean, there are some particular things that I want from from Christmas movies. A, I kind of want them to go exactly as I expect them to. Like, I want to know <laughs> at the beginning, like, you see this you see this possible couple at the beginning, you think, I want them to end up together. Mm. I want that old man to be happier than he seems. I want that 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 lonely young man to not feel lonely at the end and it did all it did all of that I thought it was thoroughly charming yeah it I, I have to say I had I, I'll be honest I'm I had slightly low expectations of this one partly because I think this is the worst title of any Christmas movie this year and you know I say that in a year where falling into Christmas happened so I, I just think this this doesn't tell you anything about what you're going to see it's just sort of a title that is there. Yeah, and I mean it's called This Christmas and it's just a Christmas. It's not even <laughs> it's not even that specific. I agree with you. It's really weird. But you know, it's set on a train. Last train to Christmas happened last year. The Michael True, Sheen yes. the Michael Sheen one. Um Polar Express already exists and it wouldn't make sense anyway. No. Uh sh- they could have done more. The, the London Liverpool Street Express just doesn't have the same ring, does no, it? No, it does not. It does not. But this Christmas, it really does feel like, you know, it's about an ad man. They should be able to come up with something snappier than that. <laughs> it is. I, I genuinely, like, it wasn't until I was sort of writing the intro today that I put together Adam the ad man. I, I feel like, you know, somebody was, they started with a name and they're like, what can he do? It's, I know. It, that did not occur to me, but that makes a lot of sense. I did think it was one of the things I thought watching it when they set him set him up as an ad man at the beginning. I thought, this is not the most, uh, you know, n- no offence to advertising people. But um, it's not the, it wasn't not the most cuddly job they could have given him. It's not, is it? And and it's, it's always kind of interesting what jobs they give people in, first of all, Christmas movies, and second of all, you know, sort of rom-coms, you know, mm. a huge number of architects, um, which is a safe job for somebody yes. who's about to fall in love with somebody else. Weird number of journalists, which as we know, is not a profession that necessarily leads itself to, you know, random acts of outrageous romance. No, very um, humbuggy people. Very yeah. humbuggy <laughs> people. Exactly. Um and and I would put advertising men usually in the in the sort of journalist category. Totally. Um, that's 
that's a job. I feel like that's a job for the bad boyfriend, really, isn't it? Like you think it, cynical, exactly. trying to sell sell things to people, not seeing the true meaning of of stuff. Although he does, he does. Mm. He's as he's a very nice ad man who wants to make an advert about strangers getting to know each other, and uh, the company he wants to make it for do not in any way like that idea, and that's kind of what spurs his lovely journey. So it work. It definitely works on that front, but I think it's a little hurdle. I mean, it's good that Caius Godelario's character. Is is a chef, yes. Which, as we know, is you know classic tried and true Christmas movie occupation. Absolutely, because um, frankly, we all stuff ourselves silly at Christmas, and it makes sense that chefs would be therefore held in even higher esteem than they are the rest of the year. Hundred percent, I think that makes sense. It, it's actually striking, you know, and I know, you know, screenwriting is uh, the art of making things neat and tidy uh, to some degree, and engineering things uh, to, to work. But it's awfully helpful that so many of them have jobs that help you throw a party. Uh, yes. You know, Joanna Scanlon's character uh, is is literally has an offie and can give them some boxes of wine. Fantastic, you know. Yeah, I mean, excuse me, a wine shop. She does not have an offie. Sorry. She has a very Sorry, sophisticated wine shop. I loved her character. She plays. I don't know how much. I don't want to give away too much. But obviously, well, I think we can talk, we can talk about some stuff. Yeah, you know, you as you say, out, it's it's hard to spoil these. So. Well, true. Yeah, she's a she's a a, a very in, a, a reserved uh, woman who's very in love with her wife and uh, has this wine shop. But she's kind of picked clothes off to people. I thought she had a. I, um, I cried at her at the resolution to her story. I thought it was lovely. Um, I, she has yeah. this really nice path to sort of discovering something about herself and opening up to people, which they all do. But I mm. thought hers was possibly the one that worked the best for me. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I thought she she had a. I mean, well, she's just such a good actress as well. I mean, anybody who saw After Love um, a couple of years ago, which was. Did that win her the BAFTA? It um, did indeed, yeah. It did, yes. I mean, it's a stunning, stunning, stunning performance. And, you know, she deserves to be, you know, turning up and breaking hearts in every film she's in, I think, after that. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was a lovely story. It was nice to see Timothy Spall's character as well. So he plays the sort of older, very lonely man sort of shuffling along with his plastic bag onto the train uh, as Ray. And, and, you know, he has, it's kind of a classic Christmas movie arc, if I'm mm. honest. It's, it's a very classic sort of become estranged from family members and not quite sure how to re- repair the damage and, you know, and, and, and make the first move and, and sort of get back into their lives. But it's, as you'd expect of Timothy Spall, very, very, very well played. Yes, it's very touching. I mean, his his accent did navigate around the country a couple of times. But <laughs> well, it's it, a train-based film. He's just trying to fit in. Exactly. Yes, maybe he's just been picking things up at different stations along the way. Um, but yeah, he was lo- he was lovely. Like you say, a very a very classic arc to that one. I also like the fact that the basic premise of this movie, that Adam stands up on the train and invites people to a party is initially in the film met with essentially horror by everyone. They're just like, why is this guy standing and talking at the carriage? We don't do that here. It's not natural. Yes. And as lovely as the film is, I, I, do, I, don't, I don't know if I should be carrying its message of maybe just talk to the people on the opposite you on the, on the train. Because most people would treat you like you were, you know, they'd move seats probably. They, move they, carriages. Would, they, they would move, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think they did a good, you know, it's it's almost 
the setup of this is almost kind of um, Ealing Studios, a sort of Ealing comedy. If people remember the Titchfield Thunderbolt, um, which was an Ealing comedy about about a train, you know, it feels almost like it could have happened at any point in the past hundred years. This idea of a regular bunch of commuters who stand in the same place on the platform get onto the same carriage together, traveling to the same destination. Obviously, it happens; it's a real thing, but it does feel quite timeless. Let's say or antiquated if you want to be unkind but it's you know it's a it's got a it's got a relatability to it maybe yes it could have been it could have been set at any time which is again why the title this christmas does not really work <laughs> because because it's not about a specific christmas um yeah it does and, I, and that's one of that's one of the great things about it is that it is it could have taken place anytime. And it does feel, it has that nice thing. Oh, I always like in a Christmas film where it feels a bit real, but also a bit not real. Mm. So, you know, it's 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 set in the UK, but it's a very cosy version of the UK. Everyone likes being on the train. Even the train ticket inspector is nice. Um, <laughs> they get delayed once and that sparks the uh, that sparks the discussion of the party. But there's no one on there complaining about, you know, mm. missing their train. They always seem to get the same one. That's true. And the train doesn't seem to be cancelled halfway. No, no. Which is what? really astonishing. No, I think one gets cancelled at one point, which allows Alfred Enoch and Caius Godelara's characters, whose names have immediately gone out of my head, and allows them to have a lovely conversation. Adam I and Emma, yes. Adam yeah. and Emma, thank you. And I loved them together. I thought they were mm. I thought they worked really well together. I thought there was good chemistry between them. Um, you were talking about all his credits before. I've not seen him in a lot, but I thought he was terrific. Yeah, he's he's a really likable figure. You know, he's sort of um it's an interesting role to play in this film because a lot of the time he sort of he starts something off with all of these people, but there are, you know, swathes of this film where he's just sort of sitting there looking at two other people interacting and sort of smiling benignly in a sort of oh, this is cool, this is happening, you know, maybe my idealism has, has sort of paid off, but he's not kind of inserting himself into everything. He's not engineering every interaction. He's not kind of setting people up to be buddies. He's just sort of watching it all all happen. It's kind of a gentle sort of a role. It's a yeah, it's a very gentle performance as well. It's uh it's not a um like it's there's a lot that's funny in it, but it's not like a big comedy performance, and it's not. Um, yeah, I think he plays it very well. Like he 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 takes a, he takes a step back in that he's he lets other people have their have their their big moments in most in most scenes. But he does. I think that makes him come across even better. Yeah. One thing I kept thinking about in this film because both of um, Adam and Emma both start with other partners at the beginning, um, played by Alexandra Roach and Jeremy Irvin, and it got me thinking about that like. So people in these films, they're always with someone dreadful. Mm. It's never really examined what that says about them. Because <laughs> they must have at some point thought this person was terrific. Jeremy Irvin is dreadful. I would say Alexandra Roach's character, she's not completely dreadful. She does keep telling Adam all his ideas are a bit stupid and that her job is much more serious than his. But they must have liked them at some point. Yeah. And this is never interrogated in Christmas movies. It's always, they're just with a terrible person. I've never thought to question it. I always wonder what this says for the new relationship they get into, not to spoil anything, um, wow. but where that will cynical. end up going. But I'm not, being, <laughs> I'm not being cynical. I just want these people to be happy. Mm. And I'm just hoping they've done enough work on themselves that they're not, so that, they're, that they're not, not seeing what's in front of them. Because clearly, clearly they have history of that. Yes, clearly there are issues. I mean, I, I do like the fact that, you know, even Jeremy Irvine, who I agree was 
was more awful. He wasn't like the the sort of the stereotypical rom-com boyfriend who, you know, she finds openly cheating on her with her best friends or something. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the sort of the obvious it wasn't the blatantly obvious awfulness. It was a more kind of insidious awfulness, yes. I think. He was he was just very selfish. So his job was moving to Chicago and he wants her to go to go with him and there's no discussion of really there's no, well there's discussion there's no real thought of what she might want it's assumed she will go and that everything he's doing is more important which I'd say is quite awful but it's not as awful as um in say another Christmas film this year something from Tiffany's where uh, the lovely Zoe Deutsch is dating a man who has just been lying to her from the get-go and again she hasn't noticed She's not thought. She's not thought to ask or really question anything. Uh, but yeah, they were they were kind of low level. And Alexandra Roach, they do have a nice resolution to theirs, I think. Yeah, and I thought that was a moment of kind of maturity and and um, and again maybe self examination. Maybe that's what you're looking for in in their moment. You know, it's yes. a sort of, you know, maybe we've moved on and this isn't working like it used to. What do you think? It wasn't. It wasn't a sort of ultimatum or some big scene. It kind of felt like more of a conversation. Yes, definitely. And it's always a bit tricky with, the, with these movies where they are with other people to start with. It's like, well, if you were one of my, if I was friends with Alexandra Roach and I found out that her her other half has been, you know, spending loads of time with someone else and tried to kiss her, I think he was a very bad man. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, there's a, it is weird, isn't it? There's a logic to these things. And I feel like sometimes there are some movies, especially rom-coms, where the people standing together on the poster is the biggest spoiler you could possibly have. There is a, a rom-com that's coming out in a month or so and the film bends over backwards to make you think that the people on the poster are not going to end up together. But you're sitting there the whole time going, but I've seen the poster. Yeah. And and so you're kind of, it, it makes you distrust the film in a strange way um, because you're like, but I know you're lying to me because I know those two are going to end up together because I've seen the film poster. And, and there is almost an element of, that in this at times, you know, because it for a long time, for more of this running time than I expected, these two are both in other relationships. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of sitting there going, are like, are they just going to be friends? Maybe they're just going to be friends. Maybe this whole film is about, you know, you don't have to fall in love with a member of the opposite sex to have a good time hanging out and planning a party with them. You know, maybe you two are destined to be best buddies. But, you know, spoiler, that's not the case. I mean, at no point did I doubt the fact that they were going to end up together. But I think a bit like I said earlier on, I don't mind that. I mean, when you watch a Christmas film, are you looking to be surprised? Mm. I can't think of many Christmas films that I've sat down and watched and go, whoa, that's totally upended what I was expecting. And I don't mind that. Yeah. I want to be able to concentrate on something while I'm you know, full of mince pies and eggnog and almost sleep, but can still follow what's going on. I can absolutely do that in this. Yeah, absolutely. I- it's a- I watched it having eaten no mince pies and drunk no eggnog because I'm <gasps> professional. So professional. I know. So I know. professional. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there, there is an element of, you know, you wanting you want to be able to wrap the presents at the same time or write your Christmas cards at the same time or whatever. Exactly. Um, which, which I always feel quite, quite bad about, that all these people have spent many, 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 many days, weeks, months of their time making something. And I'm thinking, this would be nice to have one in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like that's what they set out to do. But I guess the thing about Christmas movies is they are uh, hardy perennials, I believe is the yes. gardening term. I don't really know. You know, you can watch them over and over again and and they sort of repay that almost. They're, they're sort of designed for that somewhat. So, 
you know, they, they have that going for them. It's like, if you don't pay attention this year, there's always the next time you decide, oh, you know what? It's been a couple of years since I watched that. I'll give it another go. Yeah, that's true. Um, I've seen the the lovely Netflix animation Klaus many times. I don't think I've ever sat down to watch it. Like, <laughs> I couldn't tell you every moment, every time I watch it, I said, oh, don't remember that bit because I was off, you know, wrapping presents or cooking or something. But yes, you're right. And I think this film could have that. I think this has got that potential that if you were flicking through the channels in a couple of years and this came out, I think, oh yeah, I'll watch that again. Yeah. It's got that kind of easy drop into it at pretty much any moment kind of thing going on. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, I always say this, especially with Christmas movies, because I watch a lot of the, the Hallmarky stuff as well, but it really does make a difference to have a, a solid script, to have good actors, um, not just as your two leads, although that's incredibly important, but also in these supporting roles. I mean, th- there's an, an element of an embarrassment of riches here and, and sort of being slightly spoiled with with people like Timothy Spall and Sarah Niles and, and you know, Joanna Scanlon in small roles. But at the same time, if you just have, you know, with the greatest of respect to, you know, anyone who gets up and acts in front of a camera, Joe, no career mm-hmm. uh, in the small role. It really can take you out of a movie because the, they can sort of freeze up and, and you know, be a little bit distracting um, and unengaged in these films. Yes, I get you. Yeah, when you've got, because all the roles in, in this are, other, other than Adam and Emma, are pretty small. Like they're not in a lot of scenes, which is probably how they got such, you know, a good cast. Um, didn't need them for much time. But yeah, you do need some really good actors to be able to flesh out uh, the, the bit that's not actually in the dialogue. So, you know, Joanna Scannon, good example. She doesn't she doesn't appear all that often, but she gives she gives a lot of a lot of extra depth to to the few scenes that she has. I think. What do you think about the look of this as a Christmas film? You know, um, I'm always very particular that um, the decorations be convincing, that there be a Christmassiness to the mm-hmm. film. Did you feel it? Well. I did think it lacked on that front a bit. What I want, so there are two things that it didn't have enough of for my liking. There wasn't enough okay. snow. Right. I know it's filmed in the UK and that's expensive, but I still want I still want it. Okay. Um, it's Christmas, I'm allowed to wish for whatever I want. Um, <laughs> and it didn't have enough strings of white lights. It had mm. some, but I want a lot. And I want them to have an, I want the whole thing to have a light orange glow at all points. A lot of this, when it's on the train, it looks strip lit, strip lit. And Which I know, unfortunately is the case. Yeah. I know that's accurate, but I don't want realism. I want charm. I want it to <laughs> seem, I, I would have been much happier if it seemed a bit like they might have been on a steam train. Yeah. I want yeah. that feel. And this did look a bit too real life for me sometimes. And I'm afraid yeah. I have issues with that. <laughs> I refuse to engage with real life <laughs> exactly. in my Christmas movies. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I I think that's fair. I I to be fair to them, I'm not sure how they could have got around it with British Rail being as it is. Yes. But I do agree. Any of the train scenes were rather flat. Um, yes. In I'm that respect, offer- I'm not offering solutions here. No, I'm just merely, problems. <laughs> I'm merely raising problems, unreasonable <laughs> problems that I have that I feel this film should uh, retroactively address. Mm. I feel like they could do it with some CGI for next year. Yeah, just, just, just add it, it in quick, for next year. Yeah, yeah, just give it a quick going over. Yeah. This Christmas, the director's cut. Exactly. The differently lit cut. <laughs> uh, there was, the, yeah, there were lovely snow scenes. Like there's a scene where Adam and Emma are out on a balcony watching some snow, wearing some lovely jumpers, having a charming mm. moment about tea trays. That was exactly what I wanted. 
gently orangely lit by a street lamp. That's everything I'm after. Just do that scene (laughs) over and over again. I'll be very happy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And yes, and as you heard um, Alfred say, all shot during a heat wave. So God bless them for putting on those Christmas jumpers. That is that is above and beyond the Call of Duty. Yes, I guess they have to do that most of the time, don't they? That explains the lack of snow. Yes, very much so. Yeah, it was. Although, you know, I guess in the train season, you know, you, you could have had a bit more. I think those were shot on a stage, so you could have just changed yes. the background. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, they all did but, a very good job of not looking sweaty. If in, in they the middle did, of the heat yeah. Wind. So yeah. props to the hair and makeup people. You you guys um, also went above and beyond. That's that's uh, fantastic work. Although, of course, they got to go above and beyond while wearing basically vests and shorts, unlike the actors. So you know. Um, all right. So, do you think this will be on your your Christmas rotation? As you said, this sort of you know, on in the background while you're cooking mince pies. I think definitely. I think I think this could have a solid. Um, a solid position as an early December film. You know, when you're easing yourself in, you're not kind of the elf Muppets Christmas Carol Scrooge stage yet. Yes. That's very much, you know, you're nearly at the days when you want to be watching those. But this has a kind of, like, first week of December, I can absolutely imagine watching this. It's a good Sunday one. Mm. Well, we scheduled this well then. Well done for us recording it in... Spoiler, the first week of December. Hey, you don't just throw this stuff together, do you? <laughs> oh, I absolutely do. <laughs> Ollie, thanks so much for uh, for joining me. Where can people find you online if they'd like to hear more from you? Oh, God. Uh, well, you can very occasionally see me on Twitter as Ollie underscore Richards. Um, if all you care about is pictures of my dog, then you can find me on, uh, on Instagram at Ollie Richards, no underscore. All right. Well, thanks very much and uh, Merry Christmas. And to you. Well, that's it for this episode of Bar Humbug. Please join us next time for more Christmas movies madness. In the meantime, I've been your host, Helen O'Hara. This podcast is edited by Ben Williams and produced by Kobe Omanaka for Stripped Media. And if you've enjoyed the pod, please do rate us with five shiny Christmas stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. But whatever you do, happy holidays! just heard a stripped media production. 